0: If you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat,
1: believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast
0: for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for into another episode of California Underground. Tonight, it's as you can pull out the windows, like the match game. Is it the match game or the Hollywood Squares? Everyone hey, have hey, a Hollywood everyone? Square. Uh, and this is the first ever Red pill roundtable. I'm joined by Natalie. If you've tuned into this program, you've seen her before and heard her talk about all her uh, trials and tribulations up there in Los Angeles behind enemy walls.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: uh, Amanda, who's new to the show, uh, Natalie actually introduced me to her, and she is Daywalker Comedy. Um, if you don't already follow her, her stuff is fantastic. Uh, she just re- dropped a video about the, I, I guess it's like Marie Antoinette and that whole skit. I was like, this nails it in terms of the elites and it's perfect. Um, and then as always, Cynthia is here to join us as well. So we're all going to talk about our red pill journeys. Um, I'll start real quick. Uh, I was ashamed to say it. I was a Democrat. My name's is Phil Yellow, and I was a Democrat, <laughs> Democrat at one point. Um, I voted for Obama twice. I even voted for John Kerry back in 2004. Um, And then I think somewhere around Obama's second term, I started to realize I was more pro-small business and I was more pro-individual liberty and Second Amendment. And especially around the end of Obama's term, Uh, I believe the line is, I didn't leave the Democratic Party, it left me and I felt like as a white male, I no longer had a place in the Democratic Party. So that's my red pill journey. In a nutshell. Whoever wants to jump in. Next, go right ahead.
2: You did have a place. It's as a whipping boy. (laughs) Yes. Only role you could have right now. There.
0: That's true. Yeah, I didn't want to be the whipping boy. I, I could only take it so long of like, It's your fault for everything that you're privileged. Everything you got was because you're simply just a white male. Even though I've worked for everything in my life, like I had to take the hard road everywhere I've gone. Um, My parents by no means were privileged. Um, They didn't hand me everything on a silver platter. So yeah, I was not the whipping boy that they want me to be in the Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. But whoever wants to jump in first, do we want to start with? uh, We'll start with Amanda, go.
2: So I mean, it's kind of a long journey. I don't think it was one particular event. But it was kind of like a Jenga tower that eventually toppled. Um, I mean, I grew up in a weird situation where my dad was a black conservative. So I already grew up having a lot of conservatives in my life having a lot of uh, just a lot of a lot of white people in my life, like just a lot of people that that were, that are now like demonized. <laughs> but like, I'm like, no, these are good people. Like Christians are good people. Like they don't hate people, you know? And so like, I, I think I always grew up a little more balanced. So that I think that helped. When I went to LA after college, you kind of just became what everybody else is. Like you don't realize, I think as a, a new adult, you know, you're getting out in the world, LA is so like a, such a monoculture that you don't realize you're getting sucked into it. You think, oh, this is just what the mainstream thinks. But it's like, no, everybody has the same views. So I kind of became a Democrat by default. Like, I don't think I was aggressively political, but I just had the same opinions as everybody. And we all watched the same news and had the same social media. And like, we just were these little this little bubble. Um, I think over time, I was getting a little fed up with the, like, judgmental, I don't even know if this is all Democrats or if it's just the woke, like progressive types, but them saying white people are the devil. I'm like, well, my mom's white and that's not true. Like, you know, or, you know, just hearing these broad blanket statements kind of would start pissing me off. And in 2016, when Trump got elected, I remember I was really like, oh my gosh, is half the country, a bunch of like white supremacists. Like all my friends say, so then I called a couple of my dad's friends. Uh, like He was never a Trump guy, but he had a lot of friends who were. And I was like, hey, I know you respect me and you love me and my family. And, you know, we're black and we're, you know, and I- I'm a woman. So obviously you don't hate me. So I want to understand your perspective. So I think that helped me kind of know that Trump people were not the devil. Uh, and then I eventually I was a bad SJW. Let's just say that. I ended up dating a Trump guy <laughs> for six months in 2018. <laughs> I liked the Roseanne reboot. I was like, oh, this is a show that'll make everybody talk again. And people will like, <laughs> you? Um, But when I moved, I moved to Atlanta in 2018 and that helped me kind of get back into the real world and be like, oh, right. Like people have differences of opinions. People have different, um, I don't know, like diff- different reasons for believing what they believe. Mm-hmm. And as Thomas Sowell says, like people can have honest reasons for disagreeing with you. It doesn't make them evil. <laughs> um so i think the big thing for me was 2020 i'm sure natalie probably went on a very (laughs) similar journey we've kind of talked a little bit about it but it was kind of seeing the media like lie through their teeth in front of me in real time so it was first like the COVID stuff the first two months of COVID, i was completely like didn't leave my house i believed everything i was like i'm going to be a good citizen this will be over Mm -hmm. and then after a while i started looking at the cdc's website and there was like the data tables that talked about like the numbers, it breaks it down very thoroughly by age, by comorbidities, like all that stuff. And I was like, wait, the media is making it seem like 20 somethings are dropping dead left and right, but that's not what's happening. And, you know, it's just, that started to percolate. It, it helped that I was, sorry, I'm going on really long, but it's just, it's kind of, um, it It all led to, to each thing. I was also quarantined with two very well-meaning, but very like white savior type, SJW people, uh, they were like, and so they were always like they had whatever opinion Twitter told them to have that day. So you know they didn't like Biden until he became the candidate, and suddenly they're like, I heard he has a stutter, and that's why he says silly things. And <laughs> so he say, you know, he raised his kids after his wife died. Like, yes, that's sad, but like that's what you should do as a parent, you know, like, and then the BLM stuff kind of tipped it over the edge for me. Cause I started seeing how they had no use for me if I didn't agree with the narrative. Mm-hmm. So when I started seeing Atlanta burning and I'm like, yo, I'm not okay with this. Like I'm fine with peaceful protests, but like I'm seeing it on the local news. Don't lie to my face. That's not mm-hmm. happening. And my roommates were telling me, Oh, you, you know, you don't get to tell black people how to be upset. Like they can't help it. They've been oppressed. And I'm like, Ew, you're infantilizing us. That's gross. And then they'd start demonizing me and calling me names. So I'd go into my room and I'd watch stuff just to piss them off. Like I'd turn on Fox News or I'd turn on (laughs) or literally anybody who they said was bad. I'd watch Jordan Peterson and I started realizing I agreed with a lot of the stuff they said. And I started going down the rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. And then after that point, I was like, oh, well, if the media is lying about everything, might as well completely wipe the slate clean and just be like, all right let's let's see what else is out there and see the best arguments from each side and that kind of sorry i went on too long but that's kind of my my journey my 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 origin story uh, if you will and it's still going you know every day i'm learning new things and growing and evolving and i hope i always do
1: yes always be willing to change your mind yeah what happened is is phil does everyone else not see phil i don't see him either oh okay
3: yeah, probably a technical difficulty, but okay. he'll back in. But Natalie, why don't you go next? Yeah, sure. Um,
1: similar to what Phil and Amanda said. Um, but also like Amanda, it was basically 2020 for me. Um, I remember there was a time in Los Angeles in 2020 in the summer, um, when we had a curfew because of peaceful protests on top of a lockdown that had been going on for several months and then had no end in sight. And then in fact, would continue to go on for many more months. Um, like COVID just left Los Angeles uh, less than a week ago um, with the mask mandates dropping and all that. So it, it feels like it's really honestly gone on for two years straight here. Um, and yeah, in, in I was very uninformed but called myself a Democrat before that. I voted for Obama at least once, maybe twice, or maybe I didn't vote the second time. And I drove a hundred miles round trip to vote for Hillary Clinton because I was registered in the wrong county. And I think that's all I voted for, that, that I think I drove just to vote for her and also did not know about anything else on the ballot period. Um, and I was an actor for a long time and I was raised around all this and I bought into all of it. But like Amanda, I have people in my family who republican and voted for trump and i knew that everything that they were saying was wrong um so there were people that i knew were not like what the media was saying um but i still heavily disagreed with my family because i hated trump but i didn't really know why i could never really articulate it and then yeah just being in that lockdown losing my jobs um i need to work which i know is surprising and then being told that i I need to do like the racial work on top of being in a pandemic and losing both of my jobs overnight without warning. It just made me realize kind of like what Phil was saying, that there maybe wasn't a place for me um, or any kind of pain that not only was I going through, but the entire nation was going through. um, And I felt like I was kind of pushed out. And then I kind of did a complete 180 in terms of everything in my life, not just politically, what I value, what I want in life, um, what I believe um, I rediscovered God and all of that. So the more that I went down the rabbit hole and researched and spoke with people, the more I ended up uh, being conservative, which I know is not everyone's journey necessarily. But uh, yeah, it started with being pushed out of, of the left, I feel.
3: Yeah. I like how you both, uh, your red pill moments were very, there's a lot of similar like Genesis, but there's also some contrast. So it's really nice hearing all of that Um, I would say for myself, I I kind of grew up in like an old school mentality where like, you know, you sit at the dinner table and you meet with people and you don't talk about like religion and politics. So I didn't grow up apolitical at all. Um, but I did grow up, I was raised conservatively and like grew up in the church and everything. Um and then I went to um undergraduate here. I went to University of California, San Diego. So people might know in San Diego as UCSD. So I went there and, um, you know, being a political and you go to a university, especially here in California, um, I happened to be in college during the infamous 2016 election, and it was just so hard to like avoid that topic. And I was actually also a residential advisor. And, you know, for those that aren't familiar with like the college culture and campus, um, you know, the curriculum and different things. If you're a residential advisor, um, you know, they're the individuals on campus that are the people that, you know, in the dormitories and the apartments, um, mm-hmm. they're the people that, you know, kind of go around, write people up. I not write anyone up, to be honest. I was very <laughs> fortunate. But they're those people, they make like the the different programs and educational programs and things of that nature. That being said, there's always like that component of like diversity and inclusion and social justice, things of that nature. So I remember, you know, going around doing trainings because there was a season of my life that I wanted to be in uh, student affairs. I was considering graduate schools, things of that nature. And then, you know, when I realized all these different things just really wasn't my cup of tea. Um, So that being said, like, I just remember all these different moments, we're doing different trainings and different meetings. And there would be times where they'd want to talk about the news, and I'd just be, you know, completely uninterested. I remember taking, I have a performing arts background. So I remember my senior year, I had a chance to take a bunch of different electives because I finished all my classes for my major, and all my general education requirements. And I, so I took a bunch of theater classes for fun. So I had an acting class and I remember like something happened in the news about like Trump. And I just remember like before class, like we had a moment where the, te- where the teacher and everyone in the class wanted to gather together in the circle and just talk about the news, about how it's impacted them. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like I can't do this. <laughs> I don't understand. And I remember, um, you know, in the 2016 election, there was a bunch of debates um people might be familiar with like an infamous moment um you know when trump called hillary clinton a nasty woman and i remember going to lunch with a girlfriend and her telling me about it and i remember telling her like can i have my lunch now because i couldn't understand like how you know emotional she was about it and i was actually in a story too i was in tri delta and that being said, you know when you're in the Greek life, you know not necessarily just my sorority, but obviously you're connected with fraternities and different sororities as well. And so I would see all these, you know, pictures of all these people like the Women's March and all that. So I was just very, very uninterested. It wasn't until I had a family friend encourage me to like look into politics, um, and that's kind of like how I got started in the process. Um, so that being said, I was very focused on like cultural and like national politics and then became more interested and more serious about state and local politics a few years ago. Um, That being said, like I actually would say I was more libertarian in a sense of like, more of like live and let live. And then Mm -hmm. when I started to educate myself about different things like how I am conservative and started connecting how I vote and how I view government and the world through those lens of my values and my faith, um, I started to become a lot more right leaning in the sense of how I voted. So to be honest with things that are going on in our culture and our society, I personally, like as far as how I vote and who I support and all those things of that nature, like there's just certain things where I have like a hard line. Um, So that's kind of my journey. I've always been conservative, but I would say when it came to policy, I became a lot more unapologetically, like more towards the right.
1: We can all, we all have a performing arts background. So we all understand.
2: (laughs) And that also explains how we all like kind of nodded our head when you said (laughs) the circle of like tears, like they were so dramatic. I, I understand they were lied to and told that Trump supported white supremacy, that like anybody who supported him also did. So like to them, that made it seem like half the country was a bunch of Klansmen. That is a scary idea, but it wasn't accurate yeah. Um, oh, that's another thing, like the the kind of cherry on the cake. It's a video from a comedian, so you never know what might like open your mind. There's a video, I think his, his name's Kayvon, but it was like a couple months before the election. Uh, he talks about um, who's the actual racist candidate. And it compares all the, the, the arguments that I believed that Trump was racist. Um, and it, it showed the full clips in their full context. That was something I didn't see on my news Mm -hmm. or in my feeds, you know, like it showed and then it showed Biden and like his history, like repeatedly throughout the years, like not just a couple election trail snafus, but like policies that he, you know, promoted back. Mm -hmm. You know, he's I don't know how long has he been in office, like decades or not
1: fifty years
2: years. He's had repeated chances to practice what he preaches and he didn't. Mm -hmm. So I don't, you know, so like that was really eye-opening to be like, well, shoot, if I, what else is a lie? Like it was just kind of the sense, a comedian was able to open my eyes because he just made a video, put the clips in there was like, you, but you decide, you know, you tell me who's the racist candidate. And I was like, everything, yeah, all right. And I just threw up all my papers and was like, all right, I know
1: nothing. And there's nothing wrong with Biden, I mean, changing, if indeed he has changed. I mean, I know he used to like not support gay marriage and now he says he does, but It's just, it's the fact that we were lied to about, I don't mind that people vote differently than me, obviously uh, it's America, but I think most people anecdotally that I know, and I think even more than that, they voted the way they did because they were lied to. And we were lied to about both candidates. And so it's okay, if you have this, you know, sort of problematic history, okay, well, what are you like now? But we just, it's like the history was completely erased. (laughs) It's like what we're seeing, you know, with COVID and, and the policies, it's just, I, at least have an honest portrayal of the candidates and or anything at all. That's what gets me. Is I don't mind if you want to stand in a circle and cry about things if you have emotions, okay? But like, is it okay to express a different emotion or express a different point of view? And that's really the issue I think is that well, you're not allowed to say, "Well, this doesn't make me cry. I'm actually happy that you know Trump won or whatever it is." And I don't know. All emotions so. are valid except
2: yours. <laughs>
1: exactly. Right.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah, I just remember I I just distinctly remember like in those moments where I was in those positions to where everyone had to go around the circle. And I I just remember because I definitely was not like aware of anything. Like I didn't watch the news or anything. And now I work in news right now. Um, but I just remember like what I might as well just say what they're saying, just because like I don't wanna be in that I don't want to be that person, right? And it's just really insane. Like they're inclusive, except for you. Yes.
1: And Amanda, what you were saying about uh, his racist clips and all that Trump, uh, that was one of the things that I started researching Trump because he seemed to be the only one who was even talking about opening up the country. And at the time in 2020 that spoke to me. And so I was like, I hate this guy, but I'll look into him. And that was one of the things I remember seeing, you know, like what he said at Charlottesville, had been cut off how he said, you know, but not the white supremacists and how he had denounced white supremacy several times, but there would be little things taken out of context, like happens to everyone. But uh, the fact that I had been lied to for four years is what pushed me even more over the edge. You know, I just, I'm not even a huge Trump supporter necessarily, but I can't stand being lied to. I just want people to know the truth. And then it's like, okay, if we have different opinions, But we don't even know what is reality still. um, We can't even agree on what's real. And nothing, almost nothing they said about him was true. The Charlottesville thing
2: was huge for me. Like, I saw that clip and I was like, and they did it deliberately. Because the Mm -hmm. thing is, like, there's times where I could say, okay, maybe the journalists didn't know. But whoever made that clip had to watch the whole thing to know where to cut it. Mm-hmm. So somebody in these news organizations is doing this on purpose like I I maybe the anchors don't know they're just giving the clips they're like okay but like that like you said it was the truth and the fact that mm-hmm. I'm like they lied so blatantly to my face it's like you know you're in a bad relationship and you suddenly the glass shatters and you see them for who they are and you can't unsee it that's. The Charlottesville thing was crazy. That was literally right. the main thing I was hanging it on. Like, oh, he's racist because he said there's good people on both sides. Mm-hmm. And the very next thing was like, and I'm not talking about the Nazis. Yes. <laughs> like, Right.
1: Yeah, it's it, it was it was crazy. Um, I don't know.
3: <laughs> I, have a, I have a follow-up question. I want us to all spill the tea. Um, so <laughs> you both mentioned that you both were maybe more liberal-minded and like you obviously weren't you know, where of politics, but you would you quote unquote would class yourself as Democrats. So now that you've guys gotten red pilled, like where where do you both say you are on the spectrum? Like are you libertarian more? Are you registered independents? Are you conservative? Like where where are you both now as far as your evolution and your journey?
2: I feel like I wrestle with this a lot. Um uh, that's why my channel is called Daywalker, because I literally just move between groups and I there's things I like about different things. And so I feel like I probably I mean, I I say I'm independent, but I'm definitely I'm very involved with like the Libertarian Party stuff in Georgia. So that's kind of where I am because I'm very much I like that they're pretty that they're very ideologically consistent. So my thing is, I like a lot of Republican theories. But when they actually, in practice, get into office, a lot of them just become authoritarians the exact same way. Like, I just don't trust politicians is my thing. So my dad went to, like, Tea Party rallies, and so he explained to me it's about, you know, very libertarian ideals, like, you know, the idea of, like, leave people alone if they're not hurting you, small government, all that stuff. I am for that. But it's just I, I notice a lot of times when Republican, Republican establishment politicians get in office, I find a lot of times they're like, oh, now that I have the power, I'm going to you know, do stuff. And I'm like, no, that was not the reason we voted for you. So I don't know, I will probably vote. I don't see myself voting Democrat again anytime soon until they get their stuff together. If they, like, I just, just leave me alone is my, is my, my MO. (laughs) If you're like, their worldview requires my money. It requires my time. It requires my compliance. It requires my obedience. My worldview doesn't require anything from you other than you stay out of my business like i don't know so that's kind of where i am right
3: now we'll see how about you natalie
1: um i value a lot of what libertarians have to say and offer um i i think i lean more conservative i don't identify republican because i think actually i i would say the party's weak um as opposed to authoritarian which i know is what right wing can fall into um, but I would say I think most of the party is just incredibly weak and Democrats are doing willing to do whatever it takes um, even be dirty and play dirty and Republicans well, I'm not saying that's that's good or bad so I, I have very little value in any almost any Republican that we have uh, in office currently um, but yes, the more that I I didn't set out to be conservative um, uh, but the more that I just sort of read and watched and immersed myself in this. And then as I started speaking up and being a little more vocal, I have discovered that I I am more conservative. I also want to be left alone, but there are some things um, like the pro-life issue that I I feel we do need to step in um, so that we have some kind of civilized society. Um, But mostly after 2020 and 2021 and 2022, I do also want to be left alone, you know? Um, So somewhere in between libertarian and conservative, I guess I would say. Um, But I don't see myself ever voting Democrat. I don't I don't know if there's any hope for that for the party. I, I don't even know where they are anymore. The left has gone so left that I can't even see them anymore. It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know.
2: Yeah, I I, uh, agree too. Oh, sorry, go ahead.
3: Oh, no, I was just going to say um, I'm personally a registered Republican. Um, I'm a, like a state party delegate. So I'm like a huge party girl. I help uh, with different campaigns locally and then mm-hmm. in California. Um, but that being said, I I'm personally a lot more critical of the GOP more so than the Democrat Party, mostly because since I am very active in my community and wanting mm-hmm. to make it better and the party better, you know I feel like you know iron sharpens iron, so the best way to do that is to you know be constructive and you know make sure you're doing your part to make it better too. Yeah. Um, so definitely what you both shared, you know I can resonate with a, a lot of it as well. Um, Because for me, like for someone that wants to make it better, make the image better and make the party better and my community better, you know, it's always helpful to make sure you reach across the aisle and kind of see, you know, their perspective and see what they Mm -hmm. is. Because sometimes I feel like, you know, when you're a political nerd, I think sometimes we lose sight of the fact that like um, there's not many people that are like us, like majority people like 99% of the time, which is maybe like what all three of us were. we weren't. A, we were very apolitical. We were not very aware. Um, so that's kind of my old thing. Um, Amanda, you can go ahead. Oh, no, I just, I, I agree with Natalie too. Like we're I'm like, I'm like
2: some of the Republicans get too authoritarian, but then there are many who are very, like, it's, it's, it's the, it's the, they're either too authoritarian or they just are like, Oh, well, we'll just let the Democrats have this one. I like, mean, it's just yeah. like, do something. So yeah, I, and I also weirdly, I don't know what I am because I think, I, I identify with a lot of conservative thoughts, so when people say, "Oh, you're conservative," I'm like, "I guess, yeah." <laughs> but then I'm also like, "Let people have weed. Let people like leave people alone if they're not hurting you," you know. So, mm-hmm. so I do tend to get along ideologically. I think more with conservatives because they have more of an independence thing. And oh, that's another thing that kind of helped my red pill journey therapy. <laughs> if you do therapy well, <laughs> you know, like with a good therapist, they will guide you towards, you know, not being codependent, which is something I felt very strongly when I was uh, a progressive was this sense of like I can't be okay until you guys, you know, make it safe for me or I can't like you're so focused on what everybody else is doing and you need everybody else to to behave a certain way or think a certain way or make you feel whatever. Yeah. And therapy kind of helps you learn like to have a stable sense of self and that core that doesn't change regardless of what's happening around you. Mm-hmm. And that is something I will always, I will always have that now, and it's so feels so much better. I feel so much freer and happier now that I'm not worried about what they're doing. I mean, I'll watch it and be like, "Oh, (laughs) like I'm not devastated. I'm not sitting in a circle crying about what they're doing." And you know, and uh, that's a good point. Yeah, maybe maybe we should be crying about what they're doing, (laughs) but it's just like I will always align more conservative on that stuff when it comes to like teach people how to fish stop teaching them how to rely on government to give them fish like that seems so dumb to me like freedom is 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 financial freedom it's freedom from like from needing you know like i don't know man i'm really into the homesteading thing or i haven't started it but i've watched a lot of youtube videos so i'm basically an expert <laughs> <laughs> and it's giving me such a sense of freedom even just planning it out being like oh man like when the supply chain stuff goes up and down I'll have my eggs, I'll have right. my, you know, my honey, I'll have my, you know, like that is such a cool thing. I wish we would teach and lean into that more and say, hey guys, we know that you live in a food desert in the city, let's build you a little, you know, gardening club or whatever. Like we should empower our communities and I see conservatives more interested in doing that than the Democrats, which is, I mean, liberals, whatever. The labels are useless. Yes.
1: And that is real freedom. You know, I think uh, it's something to aspire to. I'm aware that talking, making videos, which is what I do, is not really the the real flex. The real flex is just not being bothered by all of this until and unless there's, you know, a nuclear war or something, you know. But if, if you have, are reliant on yourself, um, you don't have to spend all of this time talking about it and worrying about it and what are they doing and pushing back against it. And I think that's, I'm not gonna necessarily say the Democrats, but the powers that be, they don't want us doing that because uh, strong local communities, strong local governments uh, makes for less of a need on the federal government, you know, (laughs) uh, strong families, uh, you know, it starts with families and then grows from there. And um, I think that is, that's something that really inspires me too, is this idea of, I recently started to learn to cook, which I've never done before really, Um, because I wasn't allowed in restaurants in in LA, unless I wanted to take it to go or sit outside like a dog. Um, So it inspired me to do that. And it's something I'm going to continue doing. And um, I hope to one day just not have to talk about all this.
2: (laughs) I've been awed by Natalie's journey. Like I, she spoke out before it was cool. Like I just started my channel, like, you know, a couple months ago, but like Natalie was doing it. You were, you started like what summer of twenty twenty? Like you were. No, I
1: started last year, around this time last year.
2: To be fair, felt, it felt. <laughs> I and I remember like, and I still haven't like quote unquote come out to like my Facebook friends because most of it's, <laughs> most of it's actors, and I'm just like, oh, they're not gonna. These are like one on one conversations I need to have, but like, mm-hmm. you were doing it, and I was so impressed by you, and just, and you you had such um, a lot of. I find that some conservative commentators, and, and obviously on the left too, but can be a little confrontational and being like us against them and pitting people against each other. And you had this like olive branch mentality of like, hey, I have a question like, can we talk about this? And you had this really graceful, thoughtful way of bringing things up. So it was just it was really inspiring to me. And the fact that you were honest, you're like, Yeah, I've had a lot of people unfriend me I've had people call me names and you were honest but it didn't stop you and that to me is bravery when you know the consequences and you push forward anyway versus being stupid and just being like
3: I don't know what the consequences are I'm gonna do (laughs) it you know I had a follow-up question kind of picking back off of that um, because to be honest I've been in that scenario as well so I'll share a little bit myself too but I'm definitely curious about your both stories like when you went through your political journey like you can you know share what you feel comfortable with or what you don't feel comfortable with but did you lose friends like how did your family react how did your acquaintances react did you have people unfollow you like i think people would like to know that because i think you know we're gonna have people listen to this podcast and i think they're gonna be going on their journey or maybe mm-hmm. it could inspire them but i think people it would behoove people to kind of consider like when you're evolving as a human being like there's people that not that they not that they leave you, but they just choose not to go with you. Um, mm-hmm. So, what was your guys' experiences with like dealing with the people around you and your journeys?
1: Well, first off, I'll say thank you to Amanda. That was very, that makes me feel very, it warms my heart. Um, <laughs> but to be honest, uh, I think it was easier for me uh, than maybe some people because I didn't really have a lot to lose. Um, I did not have friends, <laughs> you know, to be honest. Like, I really, I had been an actor and I had already quit it before COVID happened um, for several reasons. One of which was uh, sort of just all the wokeness and acting and that kind of thing, but other reasons beyond that, it's not all of that. Um, And I was very lost in life in general. And so in many ways, the lockdown was beneficial for me. I'm not gonna sugarcoat anything, I think it was horrible. Um, But without all of that happening, I wouldn't be where I am now. And I think I would still just sort of be lost and waiting tables and I was no longer allowed to wait tables for better or worse. So I was forced to move into something else and I did not have a lot of relationships to lose. Um, So, and I didn't have a career to lose. I was no longer actively auditioning Um, and I still sometimes act, but only when I'm asked to do it. And so it was relatively easy for me because I was already getting, anytime I would bring up a question to just interpersonally or on Facebook a little bit later, and I would just say, even anything about opening the country or anything remotely complimentary of Donald Trump or something like that, I would get so much pushback anyways. And I didn't even barely know these people. So I eventually was just like, screw it. I'm gonna make a channel about it. (laughs) And if someone watches, that's great. If they don't, that's fine too. But um, I think it would be so much harder if you maybe are worried about losing a lot. And I know that's part of the the challenge um, right now. And I don't really know what the answer is, all I can say is, I have never once really regretted it. Um, it's I, I don't think it's like a brave thing to do, but it's been challenging in many ways. I've gotten a lot of hateful messages, I still do. Um, but the positive outweighs the benefit, or the negative, in my opinion, 100%, and I feel so much more purposeful now than I've ever felt in my life. Um, and that's just for me, and not that acting is not purposeful, but... Um, I feel a strong sense of like why I get up every morning. And the community that welcomes you is, is so much bigger than the people who hate you, because all of a sudden they know you voted away they don't like, even though you're the same person, and you have the same heart and the same essence. But yeah.
2: I, I second that. Uh, as horrible as the last two years were, I don't, I mean, maybe I would have been red-pilled eventually, but I think it was like a crucible, like it needed to happen. Mm-hmm it needed to be such a crazy piling on of events for me to finally like just snap and be like, because if you had told me like two years ago that I'd be mostly hanging out in conservative spaces or libertarian spaces and be like, get the government off my lawn. (laughs) I don't need, I don't, we don't, I don't like socialism. You know, like I would have been like, you're crazy. Mm -hmm. So um, I think even in like what early, was it early 2020, was it the primaries? I think i still had vo- I voted for like elizabeth warren or something like that because i'm like she's a woman like I was still <laughs> that so like the, the fact that like in a year it went from there to like being like being governable. oh sorry blur, blur that out that was my one use of the f-bomb um well you can't i guess the audio for the podcast they can't see but i made a gesture um
3: okay.
2: but yeah the oops, i just went off on a tangent what was the question
3: Oh, no. I was curious, like, you know, depending on how comfortable and how much you want to share, like when you got red pilled, and even, you know, as you're still evolving as a human being, like, did you, how was your family's reactions or friends? Because usually, stereotypically, but it's very real. Like, when people change their values and their political affiliations, they lose friends and they lose family. They have people and follow you. So, you know, I was curious, you know, because there's people that would be listening and, you know, maybe they want to, come out as conservative or they you know or have a feel or they want to vote differently like it's very real like online and then also offline too so I was curious mm-hmm. if you had you know your experiences about it
2: I probably will have more stories in about six months um, like if daywalker comedy starts to get more popular and like it's going like, to if my friends see it or so I have a career as an actor on another account mm. and I'm kind of trying to see how long I can like have these two parallel I'm just fascinated by this idea that I could have this like <laughs> where I'm like making what I actually want to make and saying what I actually want to say and then over here being like this is my actor face but the thing is I don't really post on the other one because it's not fun for me to have mm. to be censored this is more fun like I like on here that I can share memes that, that align with my political views I don't have to I don't have to be afraid like on Facebook that my actor friends will see it so I I, I think I have not gotten to the point where Natalie is yet. So like I'm putting my stuff out there, but it's still kind of safe because it's like, you know, less than a hundred followers so far. So I'm like, (laughs) I can be cheeky. But the moment somebody on Twitter sees it and then they share it with whatever, and then they tell my employers, I'm very curious to see how I'll feel then. I know I will not regret it because I had to have these thoughts, I had to think long and hard. Like if they find out, they do not treat uh, conservatives or non-lefties very well in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. I've met, uh, you know, I go to like fan conventions and stuff and I get to like sign autographs and take photos with people. And in the green room, I get to meet some really cool, um, actors from all over those, you know, you you meet like wrestlers, you meet like TV stars, movie stars. And in the green room, I'll have conversations with people. And there's some who are more open about it, but there's some who you would not suspect are conservative or whatever, but they're like, I have a house. I got kids. I got to feed. I can't. So it's just like, I get it like I I get it but at the same time I think it's like Natalie said I actually didn't I don't think I had as many strong friendships as I thought Mm -hmm. um, because now I'm like oh man like my friends I've made now I can actually speak around like I didn't realize you know again therapy helps Um, I didn't realize that it's not a healthy friendship when you have to walk on eggshells you know like healthy friendships you can talk to people and disagree and they'll still like Natalie said they'll still be like, oh, well, you're still the same, Amanda. Like, I might not agree with you here, but I know you have a good heart. And the people I have surrounding myself with, I don't know if it's because they are mostly actors or mostly LA people or a combination of both, but there's a specific brand of like, oh my God, I love you, you're one of us. But then the moment you don't think like them, I've seen them shut down the thing like to other people. So I'm sure they'll do that to me. So I've been kind of spending the last year before I felt comfortable speaking out, building up my own friend groups and finding like meetup groups and like really like having like a soft place to land so that if the rug does get pulled out from under me and I'm sure it will, it won't hurt anymore because I'll have my people. Um, so yeah, I'm. that was a tangent, but
1: yeah. And no, I, think, <laughs> I think eventually everyone will have to speak up who's a little bit, right of center or center. Um, It doesn't have to look the same way. You know, I've chosen to make it like the forefront of my life for better or worse. And I I still don't really understand politics, Um, but it doesn't have to look like being conservative or making videos. But unless things really get absolutely terrible or we move into like a utopia, this is becoming so pervasive, the wokeness and it's in your job and it's in your kids' schools and it's everywhere eventually I think we all are gonna have to, you know, so uh, to someone who maybe, maybe not in this audience, but to someone who's hearing us talk, they might think we're making a big deal out of nothing. Like, oh, we're t- talking about this, but it, it affects your life and it affected my life in 2022 and so many, or 2020 and so many people's, and it's still been affecting it for the last few years. I think unfortunately things are gonna get more challenging um, with the economy and all that. All of us are gonna be affected. And so eventually, not that I feel we all have to draw these lines in the sand, and I'm over here and you're over there, but I think everyone will have to kind of have this conversation and speak about you know what they that they don't follow the pack because we're all being told to follow the pack right now, and I don't know.
3: Hey, Phil, we we're just going around and you know talking Hello. about I was I, I was curious. If- <laughs> <Nothing>. <laughs> we're just going around talking about I wanted to ask them, like, you know, when you're red pilled, and when you're going on your journey, like, did you lose family friends? Because I think that's always like a big thing. What prevents people from wanting to change is that backlash. So we're just going around talking about that. And just, you know, doing grilled chalk.
0: <laughs> oh, that's, that's cool. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad I was, you were texting me. I was like, you guys are still live. I thought the whole thing came crashing down. I oh. I literally <laughs> The internet here just stopped working so I'm on the hotspot on my phone. Oh, yeah. And I it's it's crazy. So, um cool. What did <laughs> I miss? Everyone just told their red pill story.
3: Yeah, we were talking about um I I was curious and I followed up with them and asked them like, you know, so they affiliated they were apolitical but had more liberal democrat leanings and so i was curious like as you got red pilled like where are you in your journey like are you conservative or are you libertarian or are you independent so i was curious about that and then we were also you know i'd ask them like oh did you lose friends or family um so
1: and then i said i didn't have any friends so <laughs> ah, that was
0: it <laughs> okay that's okay. well i'll let you version. keep don't let me stop you you guys no, sound like you, think... you're chatting i'll just hop in <laughs>
1: We had reached a, a breaking point, I think. I was yeah, if
3: anyone, I just looked at the comment section. If anyone has comments or questions, feel free to put them in. Lauren Springer, shout <laughs> out to you. He's the San Diego Libertarian <laughs> Party Chair, Libertarian for the win. Robert Massey, Tea Party R, we're true conservatives. Most Republicans are Rhinos, you know, party with an R in front of their names. Shout out to Camille. Robert Massey, freedom, individual rights, and responsibility versus safety and dependence. Amen. Um, Amanda Lauren said, look up Shane Hazel and his radical podcast. He's running for Georgia governor. Also, oh, looking into the Mises Caucus, a slightly more conservative wing of the Libertarian Party that's guiding exciting changes in the party. I, I'm
2: i i i was gonna say friends
3: with shane we've
2: met a couple times uh he invited me up to his house to come shooting so like that's fun i'm like oh libertarians are more fun than the uh, lefties <laughs> he's like yeah come to my property we'll just shoot guns oh. so that's uh gonna happen once and i am in the mises uh we're in like the discord server those are the there if you want to talk to smart people hang out with mises people they have it's weird because they have a weird reputation because the lp so the libertarian party it has like a different stance than libertarians are one of the most like disorganized but interesting groups of people because it's like herding chickens it's a bunch of independent-minded people being like (laughs) you're a bootlicker. no you're a statist blah blah blah. but the lp tends to be more of like the political or libertarian party like party party is more like, well, uh, we, we take the, you know, toe the line. And like, I think Joe Jorgensen even said something about the anti-racist thing. She's like, it's not enough to be, she quoted the Ibram Kendi quote of it's not enough to be you know, anti or not racist. You must be anti-racist and we're all like, ugh, but um, the Mises people like economy, like you have a question about economics, about how small government or no government work that's, those are the guys you need to talk to. So yes, the Mises guys are definitely really, that's probably where I I think I am. I think the last time I took the political compass, I ended up on libertarian, right? So I don't know if any of anyone else has taken. Yeah.
0: Big shout out to the, I'm a fan of the Mises caucus as well. They actually, I started listening to uh, Dave Smith and part of the problem. And I always talk about it. It's one of my favorite podcasts. Um, And it sort of got me down the, the rabbit hole of a lot of libertarian thought um, in terms of like Murray Rothbard and Hazel or Hazlitt um, and all these different things like Anatomy of the State. I tell everybody, read Anatomy of the State. It's like 50 pages long. If you want like an instant red pill, like read Anatomy of the State and (laughs) you'll like, you'll come away from that book and be like, you'll understand like why it's so important to... Uh, like why they're so invested in public schools. Like, why does the state care so much about public schools? Well, because if they have public schools, they can teach the kids to be good little civil servants. And then once they're good little civil servants, they go on to be good little, like, sheep for the rest of their lives to the government. So they have a vested interest in public schools, public universities, all that stuff. Um, But yeah, how do you spell that? Mises. It's M I -S 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 S. S yes. E S, yeah. And Ludwig von Mises. I
2: didn't mean to interrupt, but I just I agree very much with what you said with um they they and they say oh budget cuts, but they cut the classes that were more important. Class schools don't teach like finance anymore. They don't teach home ec anymore. Like they those are the things you need to know. Like you need to know, like, hey, how do when I get a paycheck, how do I invest it to be able to whatever, you know, how do I build generational wealth? How do I save up to buy a home? Like there's, they think somehow like teaching us like, I don't know, like the, I think California, you can you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they just passed something that's like an ethnic studies requirement in high schools now in California that you have to do in order to graduate. Like, why is that more important than teaching people how to live <laughs> in the real world? Mm-hmm. And you're right, it's because they don't want you to be able to do it on your own.
3: That's correct. They did pass yeah. in the state legislature and Gavin Newsom did sign it into law.
0: So here's a question. I don't know if you guys covered this already, but here's a question uh-huh. for uh for you guys. When after post red pill, were there things that occurred in your life that you were kind of like? Huh, OK, that's not as different or as scary as I thought it was or I was made out to be like when Amanda said, oh, I went up and hung out with this guy and went shooting. That always seems to be like a big red pill moment for people when they're like. I'm against guns. I don't want to shoot. Like, even my wife was like, oh, I, I, I don't like guns. I don't want to shoot. And then she went shooting for the first time, and now she loves it. Like, she's just all about shooting. She has two of her own guns. Um, so were there any moments like that for you where you were like, huh, was I being, like, manipulated or gaslit to believe these things are bad when they're not really that bad?
2: I think Natalie should go first because I've been talking a lot. But yes, I have an answer.
0: (laughs) For Natalie, it was steak is pretty good. It's delicious.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I did. I did uh, start eating meat. And then I started only eating meat for a time last summer. And that was the whole thing. Um, I did start shooting guns and I love it. Um, And I was always someone who didn't know anything about guns and just thought we shouldn't have them. Um, I think the main thing that stands out to me is just uh, talking about it. Talking about my opinions online and having strangers hate me is not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, but that's the only thing. Other than that, I don't know. Maybe once I move out of California, finally, I'll say, oh, that's not as scary as I thought it would be. <laughs> Hopefully, soon. So um, you're going? I mean, I would like to. I want to. I I, I, I have to.
2: I've been At least
1: I i've been like telling her
2: like like I, we have this little group thread with some la people and i'm like y'all just leave i don't i i know that's the coward's way out but just bail i don't know what to tell you they're not <laughs> let them go down with their ship come come to georgia come to tennessee come to well i don't know don't come to georgia because we might have Stacey abrams in a year or so but uh <laughs> anyway. um the answer to your question was what was the question again
1: <laughs> i had it and i is forgot is there anything that you surprised because, you about Yeah, so like
2: you said, realizing that like, oh, having people not like your opinions or you is not the end of the world. I mean, maybe it'll hit differently when it's my close friends or whatever. I did have a friend who I never would have expected this from, but I said something very innocuous, like, hey, I don't think the lockdowns are that effective. Granted, this was while she was in the heat of it. It was like early 2021, like January. So I'm sure it probably wasn't the time because she lived in LA, so for her, (laughs) To try and like open her eyes would have made her realize she's living in an oppressive regime. And I don't think she was ready to handle that at that moment. You know, so she had to like attack me in order to keep her illusions safe. But mm. she's like, she went off on me for like 45 minutes. And I should have hung up. But like I said, I'm in therapy for a reason. I was like, oh, well, I have to, I have to keep, I have to keep talking to her because she's my friend. It's like, I should have just been like, bye. But anyway, um, but yes. The gun thing, I never had a gun and I never thought I would own one. And then, unfortunately, a a woman was kidnapped on my street, like four houses down from me. A guy followed her home from the gas station when she came home from work. She was a bartender and uh, he kidnapped her and killed her. And I remember feeling so helpless because I live alone and I'm just like, what do I do? And I didn't realize that guns that be responsible. They are things that can kill people, but they are also an equalizer. And that was never something on the left they ever they never presented that argument they're just like you know men shouldn't attack women or men shouldn't whatever it's like well we don't live in a world that's perfect like yes obviously nobody should kidnap or kill or harm anybody but we live in a world where people do that so what are you going to do that's that's that radical i feel like conservatives have more of that radical acceptance of like this is how it is. So what are we going to do now? Whereas the left kind of lives in this utopian like, but it shouldn't be that way. It's like, OK, mm-hmm. so guns, I shot a shotgun. Granted, I'm still afraid of my shotgun. I need to get better at that because <laughs> I need to be it needs to be second nature. If something happens, I hope nothing does. But I, I shot my shotgun in my friend's backyard. I'm like, oh, this is freedom because you'd never be able to do that in California. Like, you know, but she's like nah, here, we're lawless in Georgia. Let's go. Um, so yes, yes, guns right equals women's rights. Like I never put that together and I'm so glad I did because now I'm like training to get my, um, I you don't need to train, but I am, I want to be responsible. I want to be able to handle it properly. So I'm going to get my concealed carry permit. I want to get a handgun. I don't know if I really am going to carry it around yet because I'm very clumsy and I'm,
1: I don't know, I feel like <laughs> I'm gonna
2: to other people if I'm like carrying it in my bag and I'm like whoop. So but anyway, uh, so guns, Oh, uh, Jordan Peterson, or anybody that the re- the, the left, when I like, got red-pilled and like, my roommates were pissing me off, I literally was finding anybody they said was a problem and I was looking them up, um, and now I love doing that. Anytime the left is like, this person is on our no-no list, that's my favorite thing to do now. I used to be afraid, I'm like, oh no, my people have said, they have spoken. You cannot read this person, Jordan Peterson, he is a bigot. This person, they are a bigot. This black person, they are white supremacists. Don't question it. You know, and it's, so it's just like now that's like one of my favorite pastimes. Like, all right, let's see what they actually said. Uh mm-hmm. every once in a while it's an actual Nazi. But for the most part, it's reasonable people saying common sense things
0: If it's Nick Fuentes, then yeah, it's an, an it's an actual Nazi.
2: Oh, it actually is. Okay. I wasn't sure if that was spin if, or
0: not. <laughs> no, no. Nick Fuentes. If someone says, oh, you should check out Nick Fuentes. Don't check out Nick Fuentes. He's a horrible <laughs> human being. He's not a red pill moment. He's just, he's a bad person.
2: Even with the last name Fuentes, I assumed he was like Latino or
0: something. That You know, he gets away with that because he's like, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm actually Latino. And people are like, he can't be a white supremacist. His last name's Fuentes, but he's, he said awful things like, interracial marriages are weakening the white race and stuff like that and so okay. yeah
2: i appreciate so that's
0: what <laughs> that's one if your friends are like nick fuentes is garbage just stay away from nick fuentes i um, had a, but there's I plenty had other had a
3: follow-up question from like earlier in the conversation um i when i was asking them about like their evolutions about where they are now um what was interesting from both of them they talked about because we're on the topic of the right wing, um, you guys talked about how like there's some Republicans that, um, you know, are authoritarian, like, I was curious as a Republican, like, are there people on the right that you like or don't like? Um, I'm definitely very curious about that.
2: Mm. <laughs> like, now i like, I've said all that stuff. And now I can't even think of them. I feel like it's more like certain policies I don't like. Um, but I'll have to think. Do you have anybody, Natalie, that you like particularly like?
1: Oh, I don't. Or don't I, like? You know, honestly, I well, I told you already. I don't like the Republican Party. So, <laughs> at least uh, federally, I You know, locally, and and uh, that might be a different story. But um, yeah,
2: I know someone. Uh, it's a, it's, not,
1: it's not federally, but uh,
2: I might get in trouble for this. But I know I have some friends in the Georgia GOP who tell me the tea and. Uh I think it's Speaker Ralston. He does some dirty stuff, and I do not like like he literally crushed a school choice bill because he got his Fifi's hurt, you know, like because there was like a- Yeah,
3: yeah, I remember that. I was very upset about it. I dragged him through the mud with Cory D'Angelis online. Um <laughs> what I think is interesting. Um, so education for me is the number one public policy I care about. And so what I think is interesting and why I one thing I call out the Republican Party and GOP on is, you know, even in like some of these red states, to be honest with you, because they're so used to having that one party rule um, and they're complicit and they're tied to special interest. um, I feel like they get complacent. They don't have those checks and balances. So there are actually some Republicans that believe it or not. um, So for me, like one big thing about the Republican Party that I always try to rail on is we're supposed to be the party of quote unquote family and morals. And then we have Republicans in red states that are, they literally vote in veto against bills about that are promoting education, family and morals. Um, and it's interesting because it's like the federal is corrupt, in my opinion, like Washington, D.C. is pretty broken. I don't know why people talk about fighting and trying to change it. But statewide, I think is interesting, especially when you look at these state legislatures, it's pretty like insane to me, even like the red states, you would think because they always talk about like moving, but there's some, there's some, there's a lot of Republicans that are not very great in my opinion too.
1: Yeah. And I think part of the reason it's hard for me to answer your question, Cynthia, is that you know way more than me. When you were talking about being a political nerd earlier, I was like, I'm not, I feel sometimes out of my depth in politics, um, since I'm so new to all of it and it's so much to keep up with. And I can understand why the average person is just like, I'm going to read a headline and follow that. Cause it's, it's overwhelming sometimes, and I don't necessarily consider myself someone who's very knowledgeable in this. I just I just have questions
2: <laughs> and I wow. want
1: answers, you know. And so I started asking them online, but I don't really necessarily know anything about anything other than my own experience. So
2: is Rand Paul. I mean, I know he's a libertarian, but is he officially a Republican? Because if so, then I like him, too.
0: He's officially a Republican, <laughs> but he's part of he's part of what they call the, the Freedom Caucus okay which is like a bunch of different people who are like thomas massey is a libertarian um justin amash is a libertarian but he's a republican um but they're they ran as republicans there's a whole Mm -hmm. debate in the libertarian party as to whether you should run as a republican but govern as a libertarian Mm -hmm. um
2: I mean, it is, it's an uphill battle, like Libertarian, the party is probably never going to get the majority, especially because the Democrats and Republicans kind of conspire together to restrict ballot access. Like, I think we have a uh, lawsuit in the Georgia, I believe in the Georgia courts right now, like trying to, because they they put these like ridiculous hurdles that no third party candidate or independent candidate can, can surpass just to get on the ballot. And that's un-American and undemocratic. So, yeah, I think Larry Elder calls Republicans. I think is the, <laughs>
0: the little hands. Okay. Yeah. Something
2: like that. Um, I feel like, oh, there was a question at the bottom. Are we allowed to answer that?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's why I just put it up there. So you guys <laughs> could. do you want to address it? Or
2: <laughs> so just
0: tell Robert, we're gonna ignore you. We don't care about your question. <laughs>
2: No, I, I like that people are engaged. I didn't, I forgot that it was live. I was like, oh, we have comments? People are seeing this? Stuff? I yeah. don't know what
1: the question means. Does it mean, do you think he's sexist? Or I'm not I, sure what it means.
2: That was, that was the, t- the, it was like he was, the 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 slander that was kind of thrown his way was that he was racist, homophobic, transphobic, sexist, all that stuff. Yeah. The sexism stuff, I feel like he's kind of a product of his generation. Like there's definitely stuff that I'm like, mm, that's, Gross. And honestly, like I I learned that you don't need to want to date your politicians, you know, like Obama was this smooth talking, charming guy. And everybody's like, oh, I could grab a beer with him. But like, is that really the criteria we should be using to pick our candidates? Mm -hmm. Is Oh, I like them. Like, even now, I would totally get a beer with Obama. I don't agree with him on anything, but he seems like a cool dude, like personally, whereas Trump is pretty boorish. Like, I would say, like, he's not. He He's there's been enough stories where I'm like, uh, he probably is kind of a grabby grabby, you know, whatever. And that's not somebody I would necessarily want to hang out with or let my kids be around. I don't have kids. But if I did, I'd be like, no, don't actually know. That sounds weird. That sounds like I'm calling him a something. I don't want to get you like demonetized or whatever. So I won't say it. But like, no, he I think he's just a product of his product of his generation. Like, you know, you got those old timey people who like say, hey, sweetheart, and they, you know, slap you on the
3: butt
0: and you're like don't don't do that but I'll that's like me. uh there's i don't know if you ever watched the old Sean Connery uh James Bonds i think it's a uh, gold member um <laughs> is it gold member oh no that's the Austin Powers it's goldfinger is the actual <laughs> i'm getting Austin Powers and
2: James <laughs> <One>.
0: <laughs> but goldfinger is the the movie and it's like one of the first scenes he's at the pool and he's with this you know, blonde girl in a bikini and he has to talk to this guy and he's like, he's like, all right, I'll see you later, sweetie. Man talk. And he like gives her a nice slap on the ass. <laughs> and I'm like, that would not fly in today's movies, but okay, this was the 60s. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. But yeah, I, I could see that like with, with Trump is like, he's an East Coast guy. he's you know, He's a New York guy. And like you say, he's a product of his, his time, I guess. So
2: And like it doesn't mean it's necessarily okay in the sense, like there were things yeah. that were products of their time that were like like, hey, let's stop doing that for a reason. But I don't think that all the stuff he did policy wise to me outshadows any of that yes. stuff. You know, like I said, I don't have to wanna, you know, hang out with him or, or whatever. Like he did so much, and this might be like a tangent, but I just really feel very strongly because I want to free <laughs> I want to free the black community. And I hate I hate even saying black community because it's this idea that somehow everybody thinks the same and moves the same, but that's kind of what the Democrats mm. have told them. They've kind of brainwashed them into thinking that somehow they are on their side. But I'm like, they completely did not mention anything about how Trump passed the, you know, was it the first steps? Um, bill, the, the, the prison, the mm. prison reform thing where it got like, it got rid of like a lot of stuff that Biden, you know, and his, uh, was it the tough on crime bill put in place, like uh, 90,
0: of, 94, 92 crime. Yeah. Bill, like yeah.
2: the, the, the tough on crime bill in like the mid nineties or whatever, like that added, what is it? Like the three, three strikes rule where like, it didn't matter what the third offense was, there's a guy in prison now who st- stole $9, but because it was his third offense, he's been in there for his whole life, like stuff like that. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Got struck down mm-hmm. by this bill Trump. Uh, yeah, this bill Trump passed. Um, the mandatory minimum sentencing. I believe now judges have the discretion. Beforehand, if you had certain offenses and you were found guilty, like you know, I don't know, I think it was like cocaine or or crack or something, you had to, to serve a certain minimum amount of time. But now the judges are able to say all right, well, I understand there were extenuating circumstances or like, I'll give you less time. Like the judges now have the freedom to do that as opposed to just having to throw people in jail for no reason. So I just, that to me helps way more than any policy. Like when I ask my Democrat friends, like what policies do the Democrats put forward that actually have helped? They can't really, they'll say, well, we're not racist. I'm like, prove it. You know, like, like there's, I don't care what you say. It's a bunch of pretty words. Uh Whereas I think sometimes Republicans and especially with Trump, it was like very, maybe unappealing exterior. It was just like this gruff, boorish guy who just says what he thinks and he's unfiltered. And there are times where I'm like, bro, lay off the Twitter, like, come on now. But policy wise, economy wise, uh, and I promise I'll wrap this up, but there was a Vox article that I think also helped red pill me a bit. It was about why black people more black people voted for Trump the second time around than the first time, and they couldn't figure it out. And which is you know typical Democrats like, what? Like they're just not in touch with what's happening. And then they go, oh, it must be because you're racist. So the article they interview all these black people saying, well, why did you vote for Trump? And then they said, well, my my business was doing better than it ever has, and I was able to pay for my kids my kid to go to private school, or I was able to. It was you know a lot of economic stuff. They were thriving, and they were like, I wanted more of that. And so at the end, instead of going, oh, black people have legitimate reasons for voting for him, they go, so they chose uh, greed o- over um, morality. And I remember being like, who the? And I'm not going to use the word because I've, <laughs> I've already sworn earlier, but like, who do you think you are? They're literally saying, I can put food on my table. I can take care of my kids. That is what economics is. It's not about being Jeff Bezos, which also I'm like, look, Jeff Bezos made his money. He started in like a garage. Good for him. Like, Why you got to be jealous? But economics is about, like Natalie said, do I have a job or not? Can I pay my rent or not? It's not greed. And I just remember reading that and being like, oh, okay, these people don't care about Black people. They just care about Black Democrats. They don't like Black people who don't think like them. So
1: tangent over and they haven't learned anything because they're creating the same situation now that i think got trump elected in 2016. yep while they're telling us to buy electric vehicles
0: (laughs) i think it's it's even worse this time around it's like i i kind of like i kind of go back and forth i'm like you know i don't know if like i want trump to run again because he's so toxic and like so many people are turned off by him but then i think about a lot of people who are like in your shoes who this, maybe this last election, you were not paying attention to it, or you were not a Trump fan. But now all of a sudden, there's a lot of people who may be like, eh, I kind of liked paying $3 for gas here in yeah. California, not mm-hmm. six or $7 for gas, and being able to like take my family out to a, a nice di- a dinner every couple of weeks or whatever. Um, I so barely I got know. to
1: enjoy him. I only woke up to him in like summer of 2020.
0: Oh, that's barely
1: got to even enjoy him as president.
0: Uh, There's there's so (laughs) much to enjoy. There's there's uh, can't stump the Trump videos. If you ever want a good laugh about like the primaries and how Trump was just an you, you thought he was a troll in the general. Go back and watch type in YouTube. Go can't stump the Trump. I think there's like eight videos. It's his journey through the primaries, but it's like one giant living meme of him in the primaries. It's, it's funny. And the way he, he talks to Jeb and Ted Cruz and he's always like, he, you know, he's always talking down to Jeb and, you know, oh, you got some energy today, Jeb. That's good. I like that. You got energy today.
2: <laughs> I, I, there was a video I watched of his, like, I, I used to not, again, I didn't know the context, but there was a video, it was, it was something where he, he was getting snippy with them for asking them about white supremacy. And I remember being like, oh, that's cause he's a racist. But then of course, once I learned the context of, he had been asked that like 27 kajillion times, like in that video of uh, who's the actual racist, it literally is just a montage of people saying, you know, David Duke supported you. He's like, oh, he did? I I don't want that guy's support, he's a bad dude. Like he literally said it like dozens of times. So by the time I saw that clip, like I didn't understand the context. So now it's funny to me that he's just like, yeah, sure, whatever you know of course the media spun it to make it seem like he didn't care but he's just like he just was he's that guy with no filter and i kind of it's kind of like goals maybe not as far as he goes but like <laughs> i i just like that like you said he's like you got energy today i like that like he just says what he thinks
0: i or think like that's he, what he, you need. there was a line, line where he, yeah. go ahead yeah with and, and i think he did a good job of if anything one of his lasting legacies if he only if it's only this one time was definitely calling out the corporate media and you know the whole your fake news that became like part of the lexicon and now people like don't trust corporate media I mean I was talking to my dad tonight and I was like I I can't remember the last time I I turned on Fox News I don't even watch Fox News cuz I'm just like I get my news from other places I read it I listen to podcasts, I listen to Tim Poole or I'll listen to Dave Smith or Tom Woods or stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, like, if Ron that's DeSantis one last thing, I, is
1: that too, though. I guess that's an answer to your question, Cynthia, about who I like. Grand DeSantis is great at calling out the media, too. And I do think we need someone like that who's just going to say, yeah. you're lying, you're lying.
2: Right now. I would love him to be if he ran in 2024. Um, but I don't know if Florida wants to give him up, and I understand that because he's he he led with like with with wisdom, and he like re- he read the literature, like you know. So he was he was thoughtful, and it's it's so frustrating right now with the whole "don't say gay" bill thing, where they're just like. Mm-hmm. like mark hamill and all these actors are like gay 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 i will say it to the cows come home you matter it's like nobody said they didn't they just said stop talking about sexuality to kids who are k through you know k through third grade that's probably a pretty good like straight sexuality all of it don't talk about sex with small children like let their parents do that you know maybe in high school but yeah i that's insane to me
1: but that's a perfect illustration of what we were talking about earlier about how no one knows what's going on because the media is dishonest right and it's okay to have different opinions i guess about whether and when to teach children these things um although i would question why you want to teach that but we don't even know what's in the bill because the media is lying and people won't read the seven page bill yeah so
0: well it's if you needed any proof that the media was absolutely in the pocket of the leftists and the statists, it's Mm -hmm. the fact that they all parroted Yes, without so. any recourse, the don't say gay bill, and they mm-hmm. called it the don't say gay bill as if that was fact. They put that in their headlines. Oh, controversial. Don't say gay bill is making its way through the, the Florida legislature. Oh, it's headed to Ron DeSantis. The don't say gay bill. It's like that's not the name of the bill. You're, you're calling it a name that the Democrats came up with and good on them for you know clever framing but mm-hmm. you're now parroting their framing talking points. So you might as well just admit you're taking your, your cues and your talking points from the Democrats, so.
1: That would never happen like with a pro-life, like with the Texas law, if they just called it, you know, the killing babies law or whatever. they would. That would never happen in the media. They would always call it by its formal name, which in this case is the Parental Rights and Education Act, so yeah.
2: There's, it's it's like in Georgia. This is why I'm such I'm just not a fan of Stacey Abrams. And I heard I heard she my friend you know again my friend in the GOP like she knows all the politicians. She said Stacey used to be more moderate, but I will never forgive her for her shenanigans with the whole voter voting rights thing, because the Georgia like if it actually looked at what it did, it was actually trying to regulate because every polling place had different hours. They had different whatever, so it kind of made like a uniform thing of like you have to stay open at least these hours because some places, yes, we're staying open later, but some places were closing earlier. So it was kind of saying, all right, stay open. Um, I believe we even got an extra day of weekend voting. It's been a while, so I forgot. And uh, like, it, like yeah, it got rid of the, the ballot drop boxes, but like that is not Jim Crow 2.0. And <laughs> I had this like sketch idea of just like a guy in Jim, Crow, the actual Jim Crow era where he's being like freaking terrorized, you know, and he like, hears from the future like somebody saying Jim Crow 2.0 and he like builds a time machine and like travels to the future and just slaps Stacy, and then goes back home and that's the sketch. It's just like, how dare you? Jim Crow was horrific. And they, they throw out these words, these charged words. It's like, no, you did not. People were freaking lynched trying to go vote back in the day. Well, Do now not- they
1: just yeah. passed a bill, so now it's illegal to lynch people.
2: Oh, great. Awesome. Yeah. Like, like, it's, all of it. Like-
1: the- it's, that's what it, we do in government. Making it, it illegal something that's already illegal.
2: It's so dumb. It's like, yeah, guys, murder is illegal. They like <laughs> like it's they're yeah. so performative and that's what drove me nuts. Like in Georgia they had the MLB game was going to be here, the All-Star game, I think. We had been preparing. I think we either spent 100 million preparing for it or we were about to make 100 million on it. But she and her shenanigans saying it's Jim Crow 2.0. They're trying to, you know, repress black voters even though you can get a free voter ID in the state of Georgia. So there she was like, they can't afford it. It's like, oh, they can't afford free. You know, like that was ridiculous. And they got the game moved to Denver where Colorado has Mm -hmm. er, fewer early voting days and fewer black people. So really it's like, what are you talking about? She's just a complete hypocrite. I didn't mean to go off on a tangent, but she just, I need people to understand that, you know, grifter, I hate when people use that word because they use it for people who don't agree with them. But for her, she literally is just like, oh, you know, she was moderate. And then she goes, oh, you know what? I can I can ride this train. And now she's just like, everything's racist. I, I lost because of racism. And it's just, like, oh, my God, How
0: So I-, I have I have two questions. I'll, I'll fire them both off. And if one wants to think about it and one wants to jump in <laughs> first, um, Amanda, I'll ask you and this has always been a, a something on my mind. Did you notice as you went through this red pill journey, you're in comedy? Did you start to see the comedy you used to watch and go, this isn't funny anymore? And now I can just see their props of the state? Like Trevor Noah, Stephen Colbert, John Oliver.
2: I'm so disappointed in Stephen. Like I literally like one of the earliest sketches I did was making fun of his vaccine dance. Like, I'm just like, bro, you are literally just like dancing for Big Pharma, you know? (laughs) Thank you, Camille. Um, But yeah, it's um, Stephen Colbert. I'm glad that the real ones stayed real, though, like Dave Chappelle. (laughs) Like, I grew up watching like Monty Python and John Cleese is also another one who's like, he makes fun of the, of the, the woke cancel culture mob and they hate him. But he's just like, bro. I created comedy. I mean, he didn't create it, but like he's one of the the founders of it and he's he hates to see what's, what's happening because comedians were supposed to be the ones who were the truth tellers. The jester back in the day was the only person, the, the, the kingdom who was allowed to tell the king, tell it like it was without repercussion. And once you silence that, the king will not have a pers- any perspective so we're saying comedians can't say that it's offensive it's offensive so i grew up with like Chappelle show uh you know family guy south park thankfully south park has somehow come out of this unscathed i don't know if it's just because they just have more money than god so they're like cancel me try it um but it's disappointing all these comedians that i used to think were really funny are now these like you know Patton oswald all these people where it's like they they're just simps and it's it's sad because i think they genuinely believe what they're saying i thought maybe they were just doing it to save their butt but i think they now are they believe it but that's why you have great you know comedians who are coming out now and i think this will be a new era of comedy and hopefully i'll be part of it you know but like uh you know ryan long you have you know jp sears you have uh people who aren't even political but they're still willing to push envelopes a little bit like Shane Gillis, like Kyle Dunnigan, like people who are like, I can't focus on what you'll find offensive. I have to focus on what's true and Mm -hmm. funny. Those are my criteria now for any of my sketches. Mm -hmm. I try to be thoughtful. I try to not attack people. I tend to try to attack ideologies more or the things that they say. But I think comedy cannot be focused on how it will be received. Because there's always gonna be somebody who's offended and comedy has become like sarah silverman's seth rogan they're all just like i used to say things that were funny and now i don't like that's not what they actually say yeah. <laughs> I, I used to be problematic but now i've learned i'm like no you just became unfunny mm. because funny i've a- evolved yeah i've evolved i've learned i've grown it's like no bro like sorry i just comedy something i'm very passionate about because it's supposed to be something where we're all made fun of in like a je- a jestful way where it's like we're all a part of it. You're not supposed to have protected groups. And yeah, you know, don't punch down necessarily. Don't be like, hey, beat up gay people. Like, also, that's not funny. So it's like, but finding yeah. observations about groups. I don't that, I just that's not hate. That's not hate. Yeah. It's the same thing. Well, it's like Chris Steven,
0: Brogan. like yeah. Stephen Crowder on his show always talks about and you're saying like Sarah Silverman and, and Seth Rogen, like, they effectively pulled up the ladder behind them like so they said all these problematic things Mm -hmm. uh sarah silverman wore blackface but now all of a sudden they're because they're part of the elite and they're part of the upper echelon they've pulled up the ladder behind them and said no no no, you guys can't do that it's not funny anymore right but now that i'm worth 25 million dollars like i i can have the moral authority to say that so Mm -hmm. but You know, you're right. I think it has to be based in truth, and it—that's what makes comedy funny—is it has to be based in truth. That's why people laugh at it because they're like, "That's true." We laugh at these things, so yeah. It's like your last sketch where you're talking about, uh, where you portrayed yourself as a queen, as the elite, and then you were talking about why the poor people just don't go out and buy Teslas. I don't understand, and it's like. (laughs)
2: And that that sketch was so funny because I literally didn't even have to write most of it because the speech she gives, like, I think I, I I put it too low. So I think it's under the the handle, but literally the whole speech she's giving, like, you know, oh the gas, the price of gas has risen to four dollars a gallon, you know, that stings all that literally verbatim okay. quotes from Stephen Colbert, Jen Psaki, George Takei, and uh, kind of a paraphrase of what Pete, Pete Buttigieg and Kamala said. But like mm-hmm. they wrote that for me. Like they were my co-writers in that sketch. I'm like, I you cannot write sometimes satire just like I couldn't have written anything that 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 dumb. Yeah. <laughs> like they wrote it for me. I'm like, wow, you guys really said it. Like Colbert, like literally said, like, oh, well, I'm willing to pay $15 a gallon. <laughs> it's like, yeah. But
1: to your point though, they don't believe what they say, I don't think. Because he in that same segment, he first of all says, we're doing the right thing by sanctioning Russia, Russia, and then he makes fun of how we're now trying to do deals with Saudi Arabia, who are, mm-hmm. you know, one of the worst guys, the biggest sponsors of states that's uh, sponsored terrorism. And then he says, I have a Tesla, so I'm willing. To-. So he makes fun of what he's saying and he's being clapped the whole time. And it's like people don't get that. He's making fun of you and he doesn't believe what he's saying because he drives a Tesla. He knows we're trying to talk to Saudi Arabia, so it's not some moral grandstanding thing we're doing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't think anyone believes what they say. Maybe they do.
2: Some of them but do. I, th- I think Colbert <laughs> is smart enough. and I think he has a t- he has a team of writers. Most of these late night hosts don't write their own stuff. They have like a team of people writing it for them. And I think yeah. it's safe to do it like we saw with SNL. Suddenly they have yeah. a sketch, which a year ago would have been really funny if people hadn't like lost their jobs because yeah. of their ridiculousness. But like, you know, they were making fun of how like, mm, careful, you can't say all this stuff. And it's like, bro, like once it's cool, they'll all start saying it again. You'll have people be like, oh, <laughs> but they'll never say we were crazy. They'll never be like, guys sorry about that they'll they'll just i don't know what they're gonna do but it's it's infuriating to watch
0: yeah it's like when john stewart made it okay to talk about the wuhan lamp lab because he went on colbert and was like oh it just so happens that the coronavirus showed up in wuhan where there was a lab studying coronaviruses and like everyone's like oh that's so funny it's like yeah a lot of people have been saying that for Months now and being deplatformed and silenced and it's called awesome. like conspiracy theorists. Yeah, yeah. but and, and there's because no it's John Stewart,
2: there's no apologies either. That's the crazy thing. It's like it would be one thing if they're like, "Guys, we're sorry, you you were right." But no, they forget completely. They have these like they have they have amnesia, like literally all the stuff we knew that you know masks, like cloth masks were not as effect effective as N95s. So we've known this for like a year, a year and a half. You know, that we've known all this stuff or like, hey, natural immunity is not only a thing, it's actually pretty darn effective, you know? And maybe people don't need to get vaccinated. You know, like it's it's all that stuff. And now they're just saying it like, oh, yeah, 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 we
3: all know. Like with Kyle Rittenhouse too, they did the same thing. Well, let's be honest, were they going to apologize? Like, did we expect one? Because I certainly wasn't clutching my pearls (laughs) looking for one.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm never going to let it go until we get one i'm sorry <laughs> this is outrageous that that we're just gonna drop these mandates and act like it never i will never i hope no one ever forgets this i i should go down in history books i think it was one of the worst things i think uh dennis prager said it's the biggest mistake we've ever made in the history uh, in modern history and i think that that's true mm. so, it
2: was so next question
0: that uh i had queued up for natalie and I don't know if you if you'd already talked about this you can say I already talked about this um, you you seem to have taken a turn into religion as part of your red pill journey how did that start and when did when did you start getting into that and how's that been for you
1: oh when I was little I wanted to be a nun when I grew up
0: <laughs> oh, okay. uh, yeah
1: yes yeah, yeah. so I was raised Catholic um, but I left it for a long time because uh, I became a feminist and a leftist and all of that. Um, I it, The same way that my journey to being red-pilled or waking up or starting to wake up, um, it was authentic. I didn't try to do it. I didn't seek it out. Um, but a lot of the last two years and still um, have scared me a lot. And uh, I would have found it challenging to go through them without cultivating some kind of relationship with God. Um, because I think things have been very difficult and will continue to get difficult. We kind of spoke about that. Uh, I don't think they're gonna get better for quite some time. Um, And yeah, Amanda, what you were saying about therapy, for me, it's kind of been, um, I don't, that gives me a source of peace of like, okay, so all this can be going on around and like you say, personal responsibility I guess mine is sort of the opposite in some way of, you know, that there is a power greater than me, but it gives you some sense of peace in, in all of this. Yeah.
0: Okay. And And I just think it's something,
1: go ahead.
0: Has that been something that like, as you, and you've been more vocal about it, obviously on your social media, is that something that again, like close friends or family have been like, where did this come from? Are you becoming like a, are you becoming one of those fanatical, like, religious people now all of a sudden? Like, are you a, a holy roller or whatever? Like, has that happened to you?
1: Um, I, yeah, I guess a, a little bit. My parents are very pleased, um, but, uh, you know, I always get accused of, um, you know, doing it inauthentically or, or for attention or um, because I'm getting older. <laughs> and I, I need some things in life and now I'm becoming an older woman. Um, so I always get that thrown at me, but I, I don't, you know. Uh, I think you know, my whole thing, if we have God given rights, which I think, I, I think there's a reason why so much of the left, so socialism, all of that is very atheistic. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I do think human beings are inclined to believe in something and make something a God. Um, and we're inclined towards virtue, all of us are. And when you don't have God to give it to you and you don't have church and you don't have a strong community and you don't have a purpose, I think you're drawn to virtue signaling, which is inside all of us. We're all drawn towards virtue. I don't think it's wrong to be that way, but when you have nothing and you have nothing guiding you, um, then it's all just meaningless and like performative, like we just said. So I think the left is just playing into the way that humans are. But we've replaced God with other things. And I know that's not everyone's red pill journey, but um if I believe that I have God given rights, then so much of what has gone on in the last two years is really very troubling and, and deeply, deeply wrong, not just because it didn't feel good, it's because none of this was within anyone's rights on earth to take away from me. And so it's just sort of happened authentically the more that I've read and learned about history and rediscovered or really discovered for the first time my love for being an American because I never really had that. Um, And for me, it just seems tied to faith.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. that I think even when you're part of the when you're on the left, there is a a religious aspect to your view of the world. And it does become like that constant virtue signaling that finding problems where they don't really exist mm-hmm. or creating problems or imposing problems on communities because you feel like you have to go and white knight, save them or something like that. So there is still that like religious aspect. So I could see like when you do leave that part of your life behind, there is an opening and what, you know, I'm, I'm actually going through my own, I guess you call it catechism to become officially catholic this lenten season and uh this past sunday was the rite of sending where they send all the new candidates to the bishop and the bishop basically blesses you and says good luck on your journey um and the the church was packed full of people i mean it seated 1100 people every seat was full And this was something that, that my wife and I were talking about afterwards is we were like, I bet there's a lot of people coming out of COVID who started to embrace religion more. Um, and judging by that that packed church, and that was one of three services, and they're all packed. So probably over 3,000 people on one day, just here in San Diego County. Yeah. Praise um, God. Yeah, it's, it was but uh, I, I, there is definitely if they're saying there's dwindling numbers in the Catholic church, I didn't see it last Sunday. That's for sure. Um, that's but cool. yeah, I, I think, I think that's interesting how a lot of people are, are finding that religion. And I, I always like hearing people's story about how they found religion and in, in, in their lives and stuff like that. Um, well, we're running up on like an hour and a half. I mean, if you guys want to keep chatting, I missed a good portion of it because for some reason, I, I guess I live in a third world country here in San Diego that just stopped having internet.
2: I'd like to add onto what you said, cause I, I have observed that so much, uh, with, it's sad kind of, because there is that, like, you know, they called it like the God shaped hole or whatever, where it's like, mm. we need something that feels bigger than us. So for them, it's just become government. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. the government will save us, the government will this, and government and like, I guess their ide- their ideology is the religion, I guess, and government is their God, I can't f- quite figure out the analogy, but it's, it's, it's sad, because they're trying to fill this very human need. Um, and it, it, James Lindsay has a really great um, piece, it like made me cry when I first read it, because I had just kind of gotten newly red pilled, and I felt unmoored, I felt like I didn't know what up up from down. And I was like, what just happened to me? And I read an article, I think it's called the cult, the cult dynamics of wokeness. And I read the whole it's very long, but it's very thorough. And um, that's pretty much what like, it helped me feel sane. It talks about how they find people who are vulnerable and need some sort of like, you know, guidance or like a, a beacon to move towards. And they go, hey, mm-hmm. you hey, like, you know, come, we'll help you. Like, and they, 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 they pour this love into you and make you feel so like you belong. And, you know, and they're like, you know, we love you, we love you. But then they will also say, but you do have problems, like inherent problems. So like in the church, it's like you have original sin, you know, and you can't be cleansed of it. The only thing that can cleanse you is Jesus, you know, whereas in wokeness, it's, your original sin is racism or whatever, you know, like whatever the thing of the day is. And there's nothing you can do to be good enough, but will help you. And then they make okay. themselves um, uh, not intrinsic, but like they, they make it so that you can't function without them because they're the only one who can give you absolution from your racism, yep. whatever your original sin is and wokeness. And it's so diabolical and it's just so heartbreaking. And he said he's like, most people don't get. Past this point, they get stuck in this loop, and then they might be scared to leave, or they might not. They just get so wrapped up in it. And I just, I, I don't hate anybody. I was about to say I hate them, but like whoever knows what they're doing, because there's plenty of people that I think are just true believers. They really think that they're doing something good, but there's some people up there who know what they're doing, and those people are truly evil. They're trapping people. No, there's
0: definitely, that. definitely, I, I agree with that. Um, some sort of religious worship of the state. It seems like they just, um, like I, I like to joke about how before COVID, it used to be the Church of Climate Change.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, that was the religion.
2: We're back we there now, though. Yeah, we're, back. We're, uh, back. we're
0: going back to the Church of Climate Change. It, it was closed uh, <laughs> under COVID. It was, yeah. co- COVID protocols closed the Church of Climate Change. But it was like there was such an adherence to like we have to save the the planet at whatever cost. And it's like whatever we have to sacrifice at the altar of the Church of Climate Change or like, you know, when it comes to government, it's government is run by all these holier than thou people who are also pure and wonderful. And it's like, well, only our guys are pure and wonderful. Like only Democrats are pure and wonderful. Like Bernie Sanders is. Completely altruistic; he has no ulterior motive uh, for being in in government. But like that's their; those are their priests and high priestesses. It's those people in the state. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. It it is sort of a worship of the state and government overall. Um, mm-hmm. But Camille did ask, were any of you raised with religion?
3: I was. Um, I grew up a Latter Day Saint, and then I became a Christian later, and I'm still a Christian today.
2: This is the part where I'm like, I'm like, I don't know, maybe that... <laughs> I I some of my conservative friends get weird when I talk about religion. Uh, so I was raised in the church it was like non denominational Christian. Um, and I think that's one of the things that I still carry to this day of seeing how communities can take care of each other. You, you know, like that, like that was something I will always take with me was like, you know, when my dad lost his job, um, uh, you know, like in 2008, like. You know, there was that crisis he lost his job and people from the church came over and they would fix our lawnmower they fixed our dishwasher they brought food like seeing that kind of stuff shows me that there is a model for how communities can and used to take care of each other and provide each other jobs and all that stuff so i was raised in the church um and then when i went to la i definitely got a lot more even more involved because you know you it's kind of a godless city and i needed to find Good people, and I made a lot of great friends at church. I got really involved, but then I kind of got. It was a church that was kind of enamored with itself, and eventually I kind of had a red pill from the church, and I, I not necessarily from God. I still believe in God, but I uh, church kind of had the same experience for me that I had with wokeness, where I wasn't allowed to question anything, and I'm a very inquisitive person, and so I now I just kind of run from anything that can't be questioned because I would ask people like, hey. Uh, even in Bible, even in Bible school when I was a kid, you know, they would say, well, ghosts don't exist or mediums aren't real. But then I was like, well, in this book, and I can't remember what it was. It was an old Testament. I think it was like David or Saul goes to a medium and talks to the ghost of a former King and he gives him accurate information. So I was like, well, in there it says that they exist and he's, they, they just were like, stop it. So like, I, like that, that was always my experience in church is people not willing to sit with like cognitive dissonance. So it kind of feels a little bit similar for me with wokeness and I know not all church people are like this, but that was my experience. So it kind of drove me to go to seminary <laughs> Because I'm like I can't get my questions answered at church So I'm gonna go to the big boys and I was gonna learn Greek and Hebrew so I could read it for myself Because I'm like I'm tired of being told what to think I'm tired of these pastors telling me this this pastor telling me this and then uh, you know So I went to seminary for like a semester and I started with I started with the hardest class which was aesthetics of atheism Because I figured well if I'm gonna spend 30 grand I might as well see up front if I can hack it or if I actually believe this <laughs> So I took the class and i i'm still i'm not an atheist by any means because i just that to me it's it's arrogant to assume you could possibly know that there isn't something so um but it was enough for me to question i was taught that the bible is inerrant so for you know it's like the perfect verbatim word of god and i was like i don't know if i believe that so that's kind of where i am where i'm like i'm open to the idea that it is you know God inspired but you know like I don't know I'm I'm kind of just in that nebulous space where I'm like if he wants me to know he'll kind of bring me back to that place or whatever but for now I'm I don't know I don't think I'm say agnostic because I do believe in God anyway it's a very long-winded question you probably didn't need to know all that but yes So so I I feel like that's the part where I probably don't fit in as well in conservative spaces because they're like come to church I'm like no But yeah, no, actually, I, I enjoy going to church because I like the community and I like the people. And I do think church people are they really are, um, I think, the model for what we need this country to be, you know, like we mm. need people to care about solving problems themselves, not expecting government to do charity. Like you do charity, you feed the homeless in your community, you you know, fix single mom spare tires. Like, so I I think the church has really excelled at that. And it's a shame that they get smeared in the media as being, oh, these selfish, judgmental Christians. It's like, no, most Christians I know, like adopt kids from Haiti, and like, are actually walking the walk, how many black kids have you adopted, you know, person wearing a BLM shirt, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, because the church um, I went to before my current church was actually a very progressive church Mm. Um, and they actually let politics get too much into the church to the point where they were, you know, talking bad about Trump and they were talking about how they didn't like the border wall and all this stuff. And they actually had like a Christmas. I wasn't here for it, but there was a whole Christmas Eve service where they like made King Herod be Trump and like Trump wanted to kill Jesus because Jesus was an immigrant and stuff like that. Um, Yeah. And thankfully people told me this, but I, I I eventually obviously left that church and I know a whole bunch of people who left that church because they are like a little bit too crazy. But it's funny you bring that up because my uh, the church I'm at right now, I would have thought like, Oh, I'm going to Catholic church. It's, it's very strict. It's very, you know, this is the way it is, but going to class afterwards, we we sit around and we like we question a lot of the scripture and we kind of walk away and we're like i don't know mm. we all have different answers but so i guess it's to answer your question i guess it's all about finding the the right church um in the right community I but like you'll that. find it yeah I like time.
2: people who just are like you know what i think that's what it is it's the people who don't necessarily say that you have to know because they're like to me they were they were hinging. And I don't know if they, they were like Southern Baptist or whatever. But there's a certain denomination where they're like, no, we believe in the in iner- inerrant word of God, you have to believe that this is that or else we can't go further. And I'm like, well, then, I'm-. Yeah. but um, something that I think that might white pill people or at least or maybe just make you sad. These people, you know, we talked about how they're very heavily atheist, they're, you know, anti God, anti whatever, something that really made me feel empathy for atheists, when I was going through seminary was, we, you know, we'd read a lot of atheist literature and they said there was something like a crazy high statistic that most atheists desperately wish there was a God. And I don't know why that hit me so like hard because I just thought that they were like, yeah, screw God, screw you, <laughs> you know, whatever, like that, uh, it, it, but they don't actually like, they want there to be something bigger and something good and something that cares for them and loves them and like i'm getting emotional but it's like i think it will help us see the humanity in these people a little bit easier even though they don't act like decent humans a lot of the time it's driven by that hurt and probably that misguidedness because they don't have that set of morals like i still live by biblical values even if i don't fully know what i believe like it's good wisdom and i think Maybe we can find that core of them and reach out to that part of them that just feels lost and scared and maybe trying to lash out.
0: Yeah,
3: that does make a lot of sense because, like, I there's this book called The Four Agreements, and mm-hmm. basically, one of the agreements is like to not take anything personal. And what he means by that is basically when people do things or say things, it's never a reflection about the other person, it's always about what's happening within themselves. So whatever they see or do, it's always a reflection of who they are. So if someone is mean and rude, it's because they're hurting, like hurt people hurt people. Hmm.
2: Right. It it explains the behavior, it doesn't excuse it. But it explains it. And a lot of the people that I knew that were very in the 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 cult of wokeness, a lot of us, I I say us, I mean, I was I say I wasn't a social justice warrior, say I say I was in the social justice reserves. Because like I never, I never went to a protest. I never like that deep into it, but I like kind of vaguely believed everything. I'm like, yeah, I guess these are problems. But a lot of them have mental health issues. A lot of them have codependency issues. A lot of them don't have a stable sense of self, and so there is a lot of they're just they're hurt, but they somehow are masking that pain with this 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 shield of like I'm virtuous, but it's it's you know, like you said, hurt people yeah. hurt me.
0: Natalie, I think you already mentioned it about,
1: oh, yeah. I was going to say, I don't know how to follow up any of that, but the question, yes, I was raised Catholic. Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yes.
0: Um, I was and I raised, understand uh, church hurt,
1: you know, the, the trauma, uh, the scandal in the Catholic church made me leave. So I get, I get, you know, church mm-hmm. is complicated. That is it one. is.
0: Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I've- I was just saying, yeah, it's complicated.
2: Uh, That's another thing I think is kind of interesting is when I was younger, the church, not the church, there was a certain branch of like evangelicals on the right that were kind of paralleling what you see now in wokeness. And I know people don't want to remember that, but I'm like, I remember when people were like, you know, my friends weren't allowed to watch The Simpsons because it was sinful, you know, family guy was satanic. Harry Potter was satanic and now they're burning Harry Potter books on the other side. I do kind of think it's interesting that these were their parents and they you know, like obviously not all church people are like this, but there was like, you know, boycott everything. This is we don't like it. So nobody can like this. This movie Mm. can't come out like so they were doing that like back like middle school, high school. And now you have the same behavior from their children. And I just find it kind of funny that they kind of did what was modeled for them, but they pushed away from God because they thought God was the problem. When reality, it's the behavior. It's the trying to control people. That's the problem. So it is kind of funny that they kind of, I don't know if they remember this, but I'm like, y'all probably created these kids to be this way and feel like I'm righteous and moral and I know what's best for you. And I'm gonna make sure this movie never sees the light of day or I'm gonna make sure JK Rowling never, you know, it's just funny to see it come full circle.
0: Yeah. I know someone who had, um, said that they were going to burn or get rid of all of their Harry Potter books because of her, because she was a, a turf. Um, so, you know, and, and you're right, like it's, it, and they want to cancel stuff like to kill a mockingbird or uh, catch catcher in the Rye. We were just talking about this yesterday on my live was how they want to cancel all these books. And Gavin Newsom said the other night that schools across the country are banning books. And I'm like, are they, I, it seems I think it's your team that's banning all the books that you don't like because you think they're offensive or you, you think kids are too delicate to like read to kill a mockingbird or Tom Sawyer or Huck Finn or something like that.
2: I've seen it, um, I've seen it on both sides. Um, I think the left, is oh, a yeah, little, the left is probably a little uh harder about it, but I at least with the right, I have seen them be like. Um, like I think it was like Beloved. There's it was like 2013, but like they brought it up during the campaign last year, and I kinda wanna do a sketch about it. But then my dad might, I don't know, he might potentially work with the governor. So I'm like, I don't want to get him in trouble <laughs> if I make fun of the <laughs> Yunkin campaign ad. But like, you know, this kid, this woman's son was in an AP English class. Like he was like a senior and he was assigned beloved by Toni Morrison. And that's it's an intense book, but it's supposed to be intense. It's talking about, you know, like like trauma racial trauma and stuff like that happened in the past like it's not supposed mm. to be like a jaunt, a jaunt in the park and so you know she like wanted to get this removed and it's like it's this AP English class like if they were freshmen or middle schoolers I could understand but I do think there is a there is some pro clutching I see where they're like you can't have these books it's like these are classic books how about we don't ban any books and yeah. we let students read all of them and have conversations with them look i I hate crt stuff but i don't think they should ban those books from being taught either but they should also teach other books and then they should have conversations about it as opposed to teaching it like this is you know they're trying to teach crt like it's gospel and it's not but i i think you should be exposed to all ideas because when you expose them to the light of day the good ones will hopefully shine but if you're banning things then it's i don't know it's just it's silly to me
0: yeah banning books i I think you should always question and that's sort of i I guess sort of kind of a way to like maybe round out the the whole conversation is that I don't think you're like your red pill journey ever really stops like it doesn't just you don't just get like one day you wake up and you're like today I'm red pilled and you go on the rest of your life like this perfect human being like it's more of, it's just a dramatic change in your floss and it happens over like a slow period of time, but don't stop questioning and don't stop prodding. Like, and that's one thing I always try to tell people is don't just become a party loyalist. You know, it's very attractive for people to be like, Oh, I'm no longer on this team. I'm no longer on the blue team. So now I guess I have to be on the red team because I need a team. And it's like, you don't need a team. You just need to be comfortable with being yourself and independent thinking and like question everything. Mm-hmm. You know, read a book that may make you uncomfortable. Read a book that you've never heard of the author, but may blow your mind. So, like, that red pill journey kind of keeps going and keeps going, and you keep changing uh, as you keep going down that path.
1: Yes, absolutely. So. Always be willing to change your mind, challenge your yes. worldview. Plus, like yes, a war
2: perspective, you kind of also want to read what the other side thinks, so that you at least understand what they think, as opposed to, I've seen people do that, you know, on I guess our side or whatever, where they're like, those those liberals think this and that and that. I'm like, have you read the book? Like, I actually had to slog through How to Be an Anti-Racist. I'm trying to work on 1619 Project now. Like, I want to re- read read the books the way that they're not reading the don't say gay bill we need to read their stuff too instead of you know we we need to make sure we're not doing the same mistakes and just letting our media tell us oh this is what this book says it's like no read it because you might be surprised you might agree with some stuff but like you said keep an open mind and you're if
1: you read how to be an anti you won't be surprised There were
2: a couple points. They will take but there were like he said. He actually says he says black people can be racist. I was surprised that he said that. Like there's some. There were a couple parts where I was like, oh, interesting. But yeah, his thesis is completely bonkers. But now I can at least have a conversation with a lot of them because even a lot of them haven't read it. That's what I'm learning. (laughs) (laughs) He's like they're all about anti-racism, but even they haven't read their Bible. And I'm like, well, I have. And (laughs) this is what he says. And they're like, oh, so read everything.
0: And it helps you connect with other people, too. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: That's the other thing is like, if you read stuff outside of your echo chamber, you learn, like you're saying, you learn what people are talking about Mm -hmm. and you learn how they're talking about stuff, whether it's you read the San Francisco Chronicle or you read the New York Times or something that like is not where you would go get to go get news that confirms your bias. So you start to look at it and go, oh, okay, so this is an issue they see on the other side of the the aisle. What would be my solution to this that would make sense to people on that side of the aisle? Mm-hmm. Um, one book that I always like to push on people is is the book Don't Think of an Elephant. Um, I think Cynthia said she just bought a, a copy of it. It's a really old book from like 2004. It was updated in 2014. But it's literally a book about this guy talking and teaching people like this is how progressives need to start framing issues to connect with American voters. But you can read what they're reading and their strategies and be blown and be like, oh, we should be doing this stuff as well. This is good stuff. Like, why aren't we doing this? So to your point, like, yeah, read the other side too. don't just sit in your echo chamber and be like, I'm just going to read. You know, Fox News and and the Drudge Report. Don't read the Drudge Report. The Drudge Report's pretty bad. Um, (laughs) There's a lot of other things. So, great. Well, any final comments? I'm sorry that I dropped out uh, with the Wi Fi, but I'm glad I was able to hop back in. I'm glad you guys were still alive when I came back in. You guys are having (laughs) girls chat when I, I came back and interrupted. Any final comments? on, I think you set the record for the longest podcast in the California underground.
1: (laughs) Are we the most guests though?
2: Most
0: guests, most guests and the longest podcast. (laughs) So this is like, this is like a epic podcast that we're doing (laughs) right now.
2: I mean, that's pretty par for the course for me. I don't know if you can tell, but I talk a lot. (laughs) So I'm so (laughs) important on podcasts. Uh, That's
0: that's great for podcasts because you'd be surprised whenever I have like new people on, I'm like, Oh God, I, I hope they like talking because <laughs> I, I hate when you get someone on who's like, you ask them something and they, they give you like one or two word answers oh, no. and you're like, okay, got to fill up at least 40 <laughs> minutes here <laughs> and we're in minute five. So this is going to be a rough one, but this was great. So Cynthia got a shout out for taking over the hosting duties while yes, I was thank gone. Yeah.
3: Nice job, Cynthia. You're welcome. It was fun.
0: Well, now I have to go back. I'm going to have to go back and listen to Cynthia taking over. So (laughs)
3: she has some good questions.
0: Awesome. I knew she would. Um, Yeah. So any final comments from your red pill journeys? Will you guys want to come back and talk more about it? Of course. Amanda, you're sort of new to the California Underground group. Do you want to come back and be on the podcast now that he's been on plenty of times?
2: This would be this would be really fun. Yes, libertarians do love to talk. Do love to talk. Don't ever yeah, like yeah, they... if you say anything about like taxation or whatever, we will go we'll be like, Oh, don't get me started. So yeah. Uh but but uh no, I would love to. This is actually kind of my first um like coming out, I guess. Like I've started putting out oh. content oh. I'm actually talking about this in a recorded format that's not like secretly like, yeah, this is what I think or messaging Natalie, you know. So this is exciting to me. It's fun. I kept
0: talking so much. <laughs> awesome.
3: That's awesome. How yeah. yeah, fitting, California Underground, and came out from. Underground. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: I like that. I like that.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the point. That's why I started the the platform. Is it does feel like a lot of times you are kind of like in this underground society of like, mm-hmm. you can't talk about this stuff in California because it's like, shh, you can't you. Did you say you're for lower taxes? (laughs) You can't say that stuff out loud. Um, But that was sort of the point of it. So great. Well, I don't want to keep you guys any longer. It's it's going pretty late right now. And uh, thanks for coming on and setting the record for the longest podcast with the most guests. And uh, let's do this again soon sometime. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. And everyone who tuned in, thanks for tuning in. And um, as always, there's an audio podcast that comes out tomorrow. You can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, all those places. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you on the next one. Bye, everybody.